You're listening to The Right to Be Catholic with Sean A.R. Brought to you by the Eastern Catholic Re-Evangelization Center. Welcome everybody to the Right to Be Catholic podcast where we tackle everyday issues that we as Catholics face in our modern world today. I'm your host, Catholic speaker and evangelist, Sean A.R. So today's show, we're going to talk about and focus on how God can use us all to do his will. No matter who we are, no matter what we're doing in our lives, no matter where, what road we're on, how we feel that we are, God can still use us. The, so the saying goes, he does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And I hope by the end of this podcast, you will see that and understand that and know that you yourself can be called by God, no matter where you are in your life. In this episode, we'll talk about this very topic, how God has qualified others to do great things in their lives when they themselves have doubted that they could do so or that they were even worthy. My guest today is one of those people. He is a great man. When I tell you who he is, you'll know who he is. You probably heard his name before. But before I go into introducing my guest, I want to talk about the Bible quote for today's episode. The Bible quote comes from uh, John chapter 15, verses 16. It goes, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. And again, so that's Jesus right then and there saying, don't worry, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I'm telling you, I want you to do what the will of the Father is. And today, my guest will prove that time and time again. I want to introduce a very good family friend of mine. Uh, he's a friend of my father's, a friend of mine, he's a friend of a lot of people in church, uh, Tom Naimi. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Tom, you know, I, I know that um, you're involved in ECRC, you're involved in the church uh, a lot. You do the healing ministry, correct? Correct. And you also have a uh, book that's coming out called uh, Freedom Behind Bars. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Okay. Yeah. So um, so before we get into the actual topic itself, I want you to, Tom, you, you have a beautiful testimony. Um, you know, I want you to share with the rest of the listeners a little bit about who you were before this conversion, you know, how this happened, where it happened, and who you are today. So the floor is yours, Tom. Well, who I was, I was typical Chaldean. Worrying about making money, opening up business, and your your dad and I, you know, your dad seen me have a few ruffle fights. You know, yeah. I, I never walked away from a fight I didn't enjoy. I used to like brawling, and especially if there was a big guy, you know, I had to knock him on his rear end. Right. So okay. you know, and God. Uses, I've heard the stories. Yeah, and God uses the fools of the world to shame the the wise. Yeah. So I'm the one of the fool, you know. I had a competitors in the supermarket business. You know the story, most people know. And I wind up uh, burning the store, put a bomb in there, make a long story short. I wind up, I, I burned myself with the last incident. Over, you had like third degree burns, right? Yeah, over 47%. It was a meltdown. Wow. Yeah, hands, bones, legs, everything, face, you know. And But by the grace of God, I lived through it, went to Iraq, came back, went to Iraq, came back, I turned myself in. And then I was angry. I was angry because I kept blaming the world, kept blaming why this happened. Everybody's, why this happened? Why this happened, you know? We always blame why this happened. Where are you, God? I'm in the darkness. Where are you? Well, you know, you live, you live like the devil. You're going to be in darkness. 
because your mind is not sober. And what does Jesus say? I mean, First uh, Peter 5, 8, be sober because the enemy is prowling like that. Like a like, lion? Like right? a lion. He wants to devour you. And how? Because he puts his foothold in your mind. And when your mind gets darkened, you can't think right. And when you can't think right, everything goes wrong. Right. When you're not positive, everything goes wrong. You get sick, business goes down, you have problems with the family. Everything goes wrong. Why? Because you're not thinking right. Because the enemy is in. So now, after 10 years in prison, I got sentenced 60 to 90 years at first. 60 to, to 90? 90 years. Well, thank God you're sitting here now. Right? And um, well, I had a BLM. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. BLM march for me. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. But you know, what happened is... Um, by the grace of God, the attorney worked hard at it, and we knew we're going to get this down. Oh, I thought we were going to get it down maybe 8 to 20 or 8 to 15, but we got it down 15 to 40 after five years, and my prison level went down from level 4 to level 2 automatically. So that was good. I got two hours a yard extra. Instead of getting two hours a yard, I got four hours a yard. And after 10 years going from one prison to another to another. And the fourth prison I go to, I meet these holy volunteers who are gifted, who are charismatic, who have the gift of the Spirit. And I think between them praying for me and a lot of people in the community and our families and my mom and everybody, I think God pours out His grace through prayers. If you hate somebody, just pray for him. Because now what happened, he's going to get hit by 204 and he had a complete conversion, complete turnaround, one. Took you 10 years though, right? To get Took the me conversion. 10 years to learn that. I think God was shaping you all those time and dragging you through the fire. And they said, okay, now Tom, now you're ready to do what I want you to do. Exactly, because God reshapes all of us. In our, in our weakness, we get reshaped. And we don't know we're being reshaped, but God is working with us. That comes in Romans 5. 5.3 to 5.5. Five. It says through your perseverance, your endurance shows up, and through your endurance, then your faith shows up, and your faith comes in hope, and your hope brings the Holy Spirit, which is the first installment, 5.5. Five. So what happened, it's exactly what happened. God built me up slowly. We had all these volunteers. I never knew the true Catholic faith, what it was all about. I used to think, you know, just going to church, you know, I was well-to-do. I had uh, Financially, I was always well-to-do all my life. And when I used to go to church, I used to think, okay, you know, I'll put $100 in the basket on Sunday. That's enough. That's enough. I'm doing God a favor. I'm here. I showed up. You know what I mean? I've done yeah. my Catholic. We used to think like, I, a priest, you have to evangelize. You have to baptize. You have to do everything. You know, let him do his job. I calculate it. That's it, you know? Yeah. And But it was, that's not what it's all about. Of course. And then I realized when God was calling me after 10 years when I gave my life to Christ one night. And I said, you know, Lord, I know I have nothing to give you, but I give you my life. It's nothing now. I told him, I said, you know, I had everything. Now I have nothing. I didn't know how to put it in better perspective than no word. I said, you know, I think you can use nothing, but use me. I'm here. I have nothing much to give you, but I'll give you my life from this moment. And I did. And then that's when life changed. And we went from one step to another. I had visions with the Lord. I had dreams with the Lord. And one thing after another. And I preached in 99, divine healing at ECRC in the dream. And 
God was showing me the way until he led me to the anointing of the Holy Spirit two weeks before 2000. I started preaching three months later. And you were you were out of prison at that time? Or nope, no, I was in prison. So when did you get out? I got out November 15 of 2005. And a matter of fact, I was going to get out on May 15, 2005. But I had only been preaching for two months. And I could hear the word of the Lord in my ears. I could hear the Holy Spirit. I could hear Jesus ministering to me. And I was ready to go home. And they call me in on a Saturday. They shake my hand. They said, Mr. Namie, you've been a model prisoner. You'll be on the bus Tuesday for center action. But God had other plans. The mayor of Detroit right now, he met two of my old enemies, arch enemies, and they told him, this man cannot go, to, cannot go home. How do I know this? Because this Irishman has a dream on Thursday. He comes up, he says, hey man, I don't know, but I saw two of your people, you don't know where Chaldeans was that yeah. is. He said, I saw two of your Chaldeans, two of your people with this American guy. One was smoking a cigarette. He said, this man cannot get out or we have to kill him. So Monday morning, everything stops in Lansing. I was supposed to be on the bus on Tuesday. Why did it stop? Because I wasn't ready to go home. I had to see the miracles God was going to do behind bars, heal men and women and volunteers and see that, and then go home to tell them about how good God is. But it took five more years. So altogether, I spent six years extra in prison. And that was the best six years that I saw miracles. And I preached to men. I brought 58 men to a prison ministry at uh, Pine River. And I brought 40 in one. And I brought many and healing. Lots of healings of Mahar uh, Jabu, Todd, you know. And I knew God was going to do it because when I left, I stayed five years at Pine River. I started March 10 of 2000 preaching. And I left March 10 of 2005. Wow, so God, ha God had a reason. That, exactly. Yeah. So in your eyes, you're thinking, oh man, it's an additional five years, but... No, I knew. I knew because, Sean, when, when I was waiting for four months for my parole to come in, and I heard the voice while I was sleeping, be imitator of me as I am in Christ. Be imitator of me as I am in Christ. Be imitator of me. I heard it seven, eight times. When I woke up, I heard those words in my right ear and I was up and I heard the voice say, be imitated as I am in Christ. I knew nobody else said, said those words except St. Paul. I told the guys in my cube, I had six-man cube. I said, guys, I got bad news on the way. 20 minutes later, Officer Nuva walks up. He goes, Naomi, you got hammered. Now my God has already prepared my heart. I was ready. I knew I wasn't going home because God got prison ministry for me. God had a plan and he wanted you to do this ministry in prison. Exactly. So you're out in 2005 and then after that, I I feel like more of your ministry started after that as well, right? You were you you became involved in ECRC, you became involved in, uh, in Actually, healing ministry. Actually, the healing ministry I had a hard time with the Chaldean with the healing ministry, sure. I'll be honest with you. Because um, they were not open to it. So what happened, God does everything in divine providence. I mean, if you're representing, and if you're truly representing, God will prove you right. But if you're a fake representative, sooner or later, you're going to fall and collapse. 
So what happened, I get invited to do a healing service in the Protestant church in Jackson, Michigan. Cancer healed, the guy writes about it. Kenneth Dwyer is still, is still on Google search. You go to Google, Tom Nemi, see this guy wrote an article. He had cancer on his face. I put my hands on him. I said, boy, you don't have cancer. In a week, this thing is going to shrivel off your face. Four days later, shriveled off, cancer gone. Wow. Kenneth Dwyer. And then Dr. Peterson invited me to the seminary, mm -hmm. and miracles happened. And then that opened the door, one after another. And the last people to wanted to get into the ministry were the Chaldeans. Sometimes we we start off a little late, but it's here where you're you're here, right? You're doing and great things, God. and, and, and God. the greatest thing about this is now it's beginning to catch because now I seen people gather at ECRC and they're praying for their loved ones who are sick, and I love it, and I love to hear whether it's Father Patrick or Father Father Brian or whoever it is doing a healing service, and I love it. You know why? Because that's what Jesus said. He said, go out and represent. I'll do the healing. He does the healing through love. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that, Tom, that's an amazing story, and thank you for sharing it with us. Um, you know, so speaking of being behind bars, you actually have a book coming out, correct? And the, the, the title of the book is called Freedom Behind Bars. Is that correct? Correct. So what led you to write this book? Because it's coming out soon. Do, do, do you have a date of when it's coming out? Well, Today, I finished the final errors in the book. There were some typing errors. Sure. So it should be coming out within a month. Within a month? Hopefully, we'll have so, it out at, uh, at uh, Barnes and & Nobles and uh, Amazon. And, nice. And it'll be on electronic book. On audiobook? Audiobook. Is it you reading it? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, good. So w what made you want to write this book, though? Well, first of all, the whole objective is to evangelize. There's a war going on on the horizon, and it's about souls. When you see Jesus, the last thing you want to do is look in his eyes and say, hey, why don't you bring your Muslim friend? Why don't you bring your best friend? Why don't you bring your cousin? Why don't and you're going to stand there, see Jesus with a teardrop. We don't want that to happen. No, we want to say we that want we're him there to for say, you. "Come, my faithful servant, you've done well. You've done well. You brought souls into the kingdom. That's what it's all about. It's not about the money. It's not about the degrees. It's not about, you know, ego. It's not about fame. It's not about. It's about souls. And there's a war on the horizon today, more than ever, and we got to win as many souls as we can, because that's what it's all about. And I seen it, I seen it, and the Lord would tell me, like it was. Um, it was Thursday before Good Friday, 2000. My first talk about resurrection power of Jesus Christ on Sunday. I wanted, uh, I wanted a room for all the men to come in for, for uh, Friday to talk about the passion and death of Christ. But the chaplain said, nope, you don't get it. So Thursday morning, I'd get up every morning at 5 o'clock. I went, and I went to the chow hall to get a little bit of milk. And the, I was the first one, first inmate, and the officer told me, go sit in the corner. I want to sit in the left-hand left side corner, first table. 
And I said, thank you, Lord, for the food you've given me. Thank you for the blessing. And the Lord said to me, audibly, everything stopped, Sean. He said, Tom, tell them how much I love them. Tom, tell them how much I love them. Tom, tell them how much I love them. I raised both my hands, and I said, okay, Lord, I will tell them how much you love them. I will tell them. And there are three other inmates looking at me like, is this guy for real, or is he out of his banana mind? And uh, I went and I told them, our God is a God of love. And he wants us to win every lost soul to bring them to Christ. So is that the main topic of your book? That's the main thing. This book will be my testimony whether I leave this world. It'll be my testimony to humanity to change people's life. And that's the honest to God truth. I could have wrote it. It's about 300 and some pages. I could have wrote it 600 pages if I would have wrote all the miracles and everybody and all the demons I had to whip in prison, but I, I skipped a lot of that because I didn't want to make it super big. Sure. And that's what it is. But the honest to God truth is in that book and that's what I do. I evangelize every day. I want that book to be a testimony on my behalf after I leave that, hey, there was a man who went to prison. If he can, if God can use him, he can use anybody out here. Well, that's the main topic. That's the main theme of, of this actual episode. So I'm, I'm glad you actually said that. So what I was going to ask you also was, so you are proof that God can call you in the strangest, most craziest places. He called you when you were in prison. It doesn't matter where you are in your life. So to our listeners who are listening, how do they know that they are being called. Is there a way that you were specifically be that you were called that you can maybe share with us or tell our listeners? Like, if they're being called, what should they do? Okay. Well, let me tell you. If here's how it works with God, because I've seen people who were called and they ignore the call and they lose the gift. Then they cry about it. They want it back. They can't get it. God said, "Those who have." more will be given, Matthew 24 or Luke 19. And those who have not, what little they have, will be taken away. He talks about the talents of the guy who had one and he hid it in the ground. Mm -hmm. And he said, you unfaithful servant, you, I judge you by your own word because you say I reap where I do not sow, so I harvest where I do not plant, and you know it, and you want to hit that talent, you could have put it with the bank and got some interest, but you didn't because you're a lazy servant. Take his talent, give it to the one who has 10 or the other parable who has yep. five. Give it to him. They said, but he already has 10 cities. They said, give him more. What more they have, more will be given. So what happens, God calls you in a small, minute way. And minute way might be to evangelize your family first, to evangelize your friend first, to see your true... Character first. And then from that point on, God will use you in a bigger way. I've seen people who had the gift of tongue, gift of prophecy, or gift to evangelize, and gift to preach, and they put it off. And my friend was in the car, and I'm driving, and I get this premonition. I say, hey, my man, you haven't been praying in tongues, and God has taken it away from you, hasn't he? His eyes lit out. The boy's like, whoop. He said, how you know? Tell him I, I know these kind of things. He I tells know, me. Right? He said, you're right. And that's what happens. 
You step out in faith. You start doing a Bible study. You start praying with people. And then what happens? God is going to, not everybody's going to have the same gift. Each one will have a different gift. Some people might have just the gift of servitude. The person who goes to church and clean the church might have a greater reward than me. Right. Because in the sight of God, maybe that's the best job ever been done by he or she. I think a lot of people out of fear or laziness when they are being called by God, they don't act. And your so your advice is if you're being called no matter what it is, act and listen to what God is saying and go and start. Even if it's something very small, start off small and it will grow little by little, little by little. We're all look, we're all called to evangelize. Every baptized person is called to evangelize. It's not up to the priest to baptize and evangelize everybody. We're supposed to evangelize with the priest. Yeah, didn't Jesus say, I call you all to a royal priesthood? Exactly. First Peter 2, 9, 2, 15. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it is. We're royal priests. Now, the problem with that theology is some of our priests, uh, you know, maybe they're going overboard. But sometimes, too, it scares people because we're not open to it. Like, uh, who is this guy, man? He's going to lay hands on me? Get the hell out of here. I can pray. I don't need you. I go, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I went in the hospital. The lady's having cancer. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I left. When cancer got really bad, she called me. Please come and pray with me. I went anyway. Yeah. She died. She didn't heal. Yeah. And that was her healing in a different way. It was that, that was God's will. That's God's will. You're going to pray. You can't heal every person. You can't heal nobody. He does all. All you do, you show them the love of Jesus, and that holy anointing takes over, and they get healed. We're just the instruments. We're just this. And let me tell you, um, my last service at, at Lapeer, I got anointed. The Lord is talking to me. I hear the word. I started reading the Bible five, six hours. I memorized scripture, all of a sudden it's coming alive. And we sang, I the Lord of sea and sky. Yeah. And I said, I raised my hand. I said, Lord, I will go if you lead me. And I felt the hand of God touch my heart like a palm of his hand, went like this sideways. And I smiled. I was burning up. I said, I will go, Lord. I'm not afraid. If you lead me, right. I love that song. That night, I dreamt I was praying with people, no faces. I got up. I had peanut butter and honey for 16 years every morning for breakfast. And the, I went to get hot water for my instant coffee, and the officer said, Naomi, you're leaving today. I said, I know. The Lord already showed me I'm going to be praying with new people. Amazing. No face. I go to a new prison. They don't have Catholic service. I start Catholic service. I start with the 11. And we didn't have Eucharist. And guess what happened? In the dream, we all got on our knees. We gave our life to Christ. And we accepted a spiritual Eucharist. And that's what we did. And then the chaplain saw this only going to last a week or two. And it's going to go under the rug. But No. When God, he called, the, when he equipped the call, it kept growing and growing. It went from 11 to 17 to 28 to 30 to 40, 42, 45, 58 men. And when the priest came, he said, how many men are here? I go, 58. He goes, who brings them all? I said, Jesus. 
Amen. He goes, who's in charge? I said, I am. Yeah. He goes, look, I'm a priest. I only get 20, 30 next door top. How you do all this? So when he heard me, he said, you go ahead. I'll hear a confession. And then when he heard me, he said, son, this is your calling, not mine. I said, come on, man. Don't play with me, Father Jewel. I said, I've been waiting for you for two and a half years. So the chaplain went and talked to this Catholic woman. She came to the club, gave her testimony. We did two radio shows together. She brought a few Chris every week. Then another volunteer came in. And God was healing and delivering and saving. We baptized a Jewish guy on the yard. We baptized four uh, um, uh, Latinos on the yard. And we brought them to Jesus. And Amen. that is Amen. the greatest thing. So you're talking about prison. And I wanted to ask you your thoughts on this. So you physically were locked up in prison, but a lot of people that are listening to this podcast right now, they're not locked up in a physical prison, but they're more theirs is a more of a mental prison. Absolutely, they have they're locked in their own prison that they cannot get out. You were released; they cannot release themselves from this prison. And this prison that I'm referring to, it could be fear, it could be anxiety, it could be anger. What that, know, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've seen a lot of people with a lot of problems. And, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. A lot of people, the families are fighting over money. My mom and my brother, they left us all this money. It's like they called me. My brother, you know, $50,000. I said, let him have it. She said, what? I said, just let him have it. It's only money. It's your brother. You love him. Let him have it. They didn't call me again. They didn't like that answer. But I would have gave it to my brother if he wanted it. I wouldn't let money come between me and my friend or money between me and my, my brother. It wouldn't. But they think it's so important. So what happened, we have anger, frustration, our ego gets the best of it. This one woman was crying for 27 years. I haven't talked to my sister. I said, well, go make calm. No, I can't forgive her what she did to me, how she embarrassed me. It was the ego. Her sister died. She called me, oh my God, my sister died. I said, don't cry now. You had 27 years to make up. You didn't make up in 27 years. Now you're going to cry? So people are locked up through their emotions, through their ego, and they're always looking to things happen because now they're not living realistically with God and they don't have a relationship with God. They go to church, they go empty, and they come out empty because they never surrender. I think, I think a lot of these people that, and I'm one of them. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like you're sitting in the prison. The prison door is open. You can walk out whenever you want. But you yourself are keeping yourself prisoner to this whatever it is, this sin, this you know, this anger, this fear, this anxiety. And how you're saying, listen, it's God's calling you. Go. Get, walk out of the prison. It's But it has to be your choice to do that. Absolutely. And that's why I wrote every chapter about a different topic. One is about anger, one is about vengeance, one is about unforgiveness. And then I give the scripture and I tell them, I tell them a little bit of story. Actually, Vanessa, then how we did a lot of research. We used a lot of people who were, who were uh, stigmatized and tormented by their, their rapists and others and this and that. And we wrote about it, their names and place and it. And the greatest people who were set free were the ones that could forgive. And you know why? Because they had the greatest faith. I'll tell you one little story. I'll make it as short as possible. 
Somebody killed this woman's son. He was her only boy. And when the guy got sentenced to life in prison, the woman went there and visited the man who killed her son. Hmm. And she would visit him all the time. She told him, I don't have a son no more, but I'm going to bring you to Christ because of what you did, and I'm going to show you love because of what you did, and I forgive you. That's amazing. That's amazing, right? So this man was so, so impressed by this woman's forgiveness that he started reaching out to her. 20 years later down the line, the one woman sends a letter to the parole board and telling them to release this man because she don't feel that being locked up is going to do any more good. And she takes a man home and he lives with her as her son and they come like mother and child. She adopts the guy and he went home with her. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, we're talking about amazing people and but everybody can be amazing everybody could and there are a few people that I did want to mention that you know most of our listeners know who these people are but something you don't know is you know and we're talking about how God uses all of us and he doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called and Tom you're an example of that right well I try to be well you are Right, I, trust me. You, you, the listeners can't see this, but Tom is very passionate person using his hands and pointing at me, and I love it, right? Because I'm that kind of person too. I'm just trying to be calm right now. But a lot of the people, or some of the people that I did want to mention now, you know, you've read about them, you've heard about them, but you didn't know where they came from. For example, you you've heard of Abraham, the father of. Of, our, of all faiths. Of all faiths. Amen. But did you know all that nation. God did not use him until he was late, late in his years? Isaac wasn't even born his son until I think Abraham was 100 or some years old. So 99. And then he had the son 99. Right. But and, and, look, but Abraham, you know why couldn't God didn't use him? Because God was retooling Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of them. See, Abraham wasn't ready. Right, he exactly. would let fear and anxiety get to him. Doubt. When he went into Egypt and doubt. When he went in Egypt, he told him, "Oh, Sarah, you're a beautiful woman. They're going to take you from me. So I'm going to tell him you're my sister." Yep. Which she was half sister from his dad. So what happened? Genesis 17:1. God said, "Hey Abraham, enough with the nonsense. I know Allah Gabbar. I'm God Almighty. Now walk straight before me. Now walk straight. What does that mean?" Me don't have no fear, no doubt. I'm with you. My mighty hand is going to save you. And that's what happens. And now Abraham takes it. And then he says, this is Genesis 17. And I will bless you. And you're going to have a child of your loin. And Abraham left. He and goes, laughed. And that's why Isaac is the yeah, name. Uh, laughter. Yeah, laughter. Yeah, laughter. So he goes, okay. So what happened they laugh, and uh, next year he come by, God showed up. Now Abraham had matured in his faith. How? Because now he sees the Trinity coming, and he runs at them. And, and Genesis 18, he runs at them, and he kneels on his, the feet of God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And he said, Lord, he speaks to him as one, because now God had matured him to see 
and you you know earlier put him in the dream he saw the nation how they're going to be oppressed in Egypt and he saw them how we're going to go to the promised land and he let him see all that in a vision at night right and now Abraham identified God he goes there he goes if I have found favor with you let me bring you some Liban and some uh, some food and let me bathe your feet Sarah make him uh, need the dough uh, he tells the servant to bring the cab kill the cab hurry up now he knows he's in the presence of God God says to him next time on our path by here next year Sarah will have a child and you're going to call him Isaac amen yeah so, so you said it right God used him and there are a few other people that maybe like I said you've heard or you've read about in the Bible that God used them and they're and and they're one of the greatest people that I think have walked this Gideon earth. Gideon was the biggest coward ever. Right. Or for example, Moses. Did you know that Moses? Moses was a he stuttered. He stuttered. Yeah. He, when God even went up to him when the in the burning bush, he said, "You know what? Go pick somebody else. I'm not that guy." And he said, "Don't worry about it. I'm going to give you a staff. I'm going to give you the power. Go and he do what you're supposed him. to." Right. He showed him his hand turns to leprosy, puts it in the thing, it comes back alive. His staff. And what did he say? I can't speak. I can't speak fluently. Right. I said, "Oh my God, how stupid are you, Moses?" But God uses the stupidest of stupid. He uses everybody. Everybody for King David. Okay, so if you're thinking, okay, yeah, that wasn't that bad. How about King David? He was an adulterer. He was a murderer, right? To get his ways, and still God used him, right? How about uh, Peter? Peter denied Jesus. He walked with Jesus for three years. He was his main guy. God, Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom. To this guy, Peter, and he still denied him three times. And God still used him. Well, you know why? Peter, God used him, and God knew. Because God is not limited by time or space. Of course. You know? I We know this, but what yeah. I'm saying is like... So, so, Peter says to him two lines later, Jesus says, I'm going to suffer and die on the cross and all this, and I'm going to redeem. Oh, mankind. No, no. No, no, it shall not be. No, Lord, that shall not happen to you. Jesus says, get behind me, Get behind me, saying. Yeah, you're thinking like man, not as God. God planned a different. Look at Gideon. The angel of the Lord appears to him. And he says, well, if you are the angel of God, let me bring you a dish. Guy says, I don't eat, but bring it anyway. Put oil on it. He puts it on the rock. Boom, fire comes from heaven. <laughs> the dish is gone. Oh, my God. I just seen an angel. Okay, I need one more miracle. I just saw this miracle, but I need one more. He's still doubting, yeah. He's still doubting. Then he goes, give me one more miracle to make sure that I'm not going to war huh, against these heathens with 300 men. If you're not going to be there, God, because this guy was a total coward. I mean, how many miracles do you need? God tells you one time, go evangelize. He doesn't have to go tell me every day, go evangelize. He told me I love souls. How many times does he got to tell me? He I think... I think, a lot of, enough. I think a lot of our listeners sometimes need to hear that. You know what I'm saying? And to, to see, look, this proof, you're, you're, you're an example. Abraham, Moses, King David, Peter, Paul, all of us, you, me, everybody. Mother Teresa. Mother, we're all weak. Years. We're she all weak. From God. We're all weak, weak people, but God still used what he saw inside of us that we don't even see inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So what I want to tell our listeners is this. No matter, again, no matter who or where you think you are in your life, no matter how bad you think you are or have been, trust me, if God can use these people, if God can use me, if God can use Tom 
and where he was and what he did, he can use you too. Do not fear if God has a calling for you, and he does, like how you time you said, we're all called to evangelize. We should. We should, absolutely. And you know what? Guess where it starts? James 5.13, It said, and he, whoever is in good spirit, let him praise the Lord. So if you're in good spirit, stop praising. Amen. If you're sick, it says 14, call the elders of the church, let them pray for you. They will anoint you with oil and you will be healed and your many sins will be forgiven. Okay? And then guess what? Confess your sin to one another. Now, I'm confessing I'm weak. I'm distraught. I have lust in my heart. I'm a thief. I'm a crook. Oh, I got this big ego. I confess all of them. And when I get them out of my life, I do a complete 180 turnaround because now I want to consecrate myself to God. And I've been, I've been baptized. So that water, the regenerating water of the Holy Spirit that cleanses the bathers in Titus 3, 5. It's the regenerating of the Holy Spirit that works with us. When they lay hands on one another and we pray in faith, the healing comes in. The regenerating of the Spirit comes in. And all the old things that passed away, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you become a new creation. All things have passed away. It don't matter what happened yesterday. It only matters today and who you are. Are you willing to believe God at his word? Are you willing to step out and walk on water? Peter walked on water and he died and sank. The 11 never when came he, out. When he turned his face from God, yeah, from yeah. Jesus, he, uh, he yeah. sank. But the 11 never came out. They, they never examined walking on water. To walk on water is beyond all things. But focus on Jesus is beyond walking on water. And the 11 never walked on water because they were afraid. Fear will take your joy, will take everything from you, will take every opportunity that comes from you because you're afraid to step up or afraid that people will laugh at you Listen, I come home November 15, and my cousin sit with my mom. Men on one side, women on the other. I'm telling them, you, you just wait, and you guys going to see what God's going to do. And my cousin turns around. She whispers in my mom's ear, but I could hear her. She said, he's tired. He's been there for a long time. Give him three, four months, and he'll be back to normal. And I said, look, Lord, talking about you is abnormal now. But talking about the world, the money, the hotels, the businesses, the stores is normal. But talking about you is not normal. Well, that's the world we live in today, Tom. Yeah, exactly. Six years later, I see my cousin at, uh, at Cast Lake. She, they're pulling up in the boat. She said, God, you proved us wrong. I said, no, I didn't prove nobody, nothing. Jesus proved you wrong. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. I went on for a long time because people's lack of faith, nobody got healed. But I didn't stop working. I still believe. I still believe. And I still believe. And I'm going to believe tomorrow. Amen. So speaking of healing, uh, you, you talked a little bit about your healing ministry at ECRC. Do you feel like doing the healing ministry at ECRC has strengthened your faith? Absolutely. I got to tell you one. Remember when um, we used to have praise and worship? Yeah. And Father Frank told me, listen, Tom, Bishop Francis, no. He said, Don't. I know him. Yeah, I've yeah. heard of him. You've heard of him, right? Yeah. What a wonderful bishop. He's a good guy. I know, sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> he 
So he was like, don't start no stuff, no healing, no nothing until the Bishop Ibrahim gives us the word. I said, okay. So I would take everybody in that closet. And I'll tell you one story. Your cousin, Arvin Ayar. Yeah. And I'm praying with him. And I see this beautiful picture come up. I look in it. I say, Arvin, Khaled, you're going to marry a beautiful girl. You're going to have three kids. <laughs> this is before everything? This is like 14 years ago, 10 wow. years ago. Then this one big girl used to come in every Thursday, and she was big, you know? And she wanted a child. I pray with her. I tell her, listen, give God a chance. She would cry and cry and terribly. Okay. And then one day she came in, and the Lord let me see. She's standing there, two girls, one boy. I said, you're going to have three kids. Oh, my God. She cried even more. I said, hey, girl, give me a break, man. Yeah. You cry no matter what I say. Will you give me a right. break? Right. And what happened? She had two girls. They, William Bowman told her, no more, no more children. She told them, no, I'm going to have one more. The guy told me I'm going to have one more. They told him, no, you can't have no more kids. That's it. Two years later, she had bleeding, and guess what happened? She had the boy. Wow. Three boys. And she looked more beautiful than ever. She lost like 100 pounds. Amazing. Happiness can do that. Happiness will do and that. the power Happiness. of God, too. Amen. It all comes from God. Rejoice in the Lord. Always rejoice. I say it again. Philippians 4, 4, Philippians 4, 6. Rejoice. You don't wake up in the morning beaten up by the devil. You run to your coffee pot and you run to the TV. You hit the TV. Oh, the world's going to end. Nuclear war. Give me a break. Get the hell out of here, Satan. I'm living for Jesus to live or die. I live for the Lord, die for the Lord. Romans 14, 8. No matter what happened, I do it for the Lord. Amen. Tom, you know what, man? I've never had someone on my podcast with so much passion for what they do for the Lord than you. This is amazing. I, I love listening to hear you talk. You know what I'm saying? I, I look forward to it, and I encourage all of our listeners to buy your book. It's called, again, uh, Freedom Behind Bars. Correct, Tom? Amen. Yeah, amen. Tom, you man. You know what John 8, 36 said? What did he say? Who's the son of man says free is free indeed. When you call on the name of Jesus, you plead the blood of Jesus over you and your family, the Lord will set you free. Amen. God Tom, bless you. My man, brother Tom, I really thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, I think this was this was a, an, 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 an amazing conversation we've been having about how God, no matter who we are, no matter where we are in our lives, no matter where we where we are at this current stage in our life, we're thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm in prison. I'm in my own prison, my physical, my mental prison. You know, no matter how dark our life is, that God, if he wants us, he'll call us. And it, you, you proved it. You said it. It's up to you to answer that call, right? Yeah. When God calls you. So... I will leave with you. I will leave you all with this Bible quote. It comes from Romans 8, uh, 28. And it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Because they are conformed to his image. Amen. 829. Amen. And how will we conform to his image? By the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told Mary Magdalene, go tell my brothers, I meet them in Galilee. How did we become brothers? Through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, resurrection, Easter power. And we have it. Every one of us have it. Every baptized person has that sword of the Holy Spirit. Amen, Amen. Tom. 
Amen, man. I want to again. I want to thank you, you guys. Before we end this podcast, I want to remind you guys to check out the other three podcasts we have at ECRC. We have the Invitation to Sisterhood. We have the Catholic Avengers. We have the Salty Catholic. All three amazing podcasts. Um, and of course, I encourage you guys always to continue listening to this podcast, the Right to Be Catholic podcast, and share it with your friends and family. I thank you all for listening. I'm going to be praying for you guys. I ask you guys to please pray for me. I love you all. God bless. And like I always leave you guys with this line, remember to go forth because you have the right to be Catholic. Thank you and God bless. You have been listening to an ECRC Martoma Productions podcast. To learn more about ECRC and all of our programs, go to ecrc.us.